Hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm going to call this episode 22. To do. This is the uh, continuation of the conversation that I had with Chris. Um, so we're literally just picking up where we left off. Just before we start, uh, have a look at the show notes. Teespring thing. Purely voluntary, just like Patreon. I've got only one patron at the moment. Thank you, buddy. Um, but... Uh, I'm just running this as a sort of, you know, see what happens. This is purely to cover the costs of running this podcast and hosting and all that jazz. Um, have a look at it. And uh, now enjoy the conversation with Chris. I, I used to drive in this and leave. Nope. At the time, this was years ago. Um, none of the dealers that I contacted had a had an EV that they could give me for an extended test drive, not just like a fifteen minute around the block uh, type of thing. And um, and uh, Nissan was the only one who actually gave me the car for the weekend, for the long weekend. And you know, ultimately, I went with with them for that. For well, that was one of the reasons. I I also think when Nissan actually went leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else is that they had a platform since 2010 or 11 wherever Nissan Leaf came out um, but they kind of um, lost the game at some point and they stopped you know updating the car quick enough and they stopped they, they were promising other EVs based on that platform and they've never delivered and obviously Nissan Leaf is not exactly the the most efficient uh, uh, EV out there what do you think, like from a you know somebody who's been working in the in the OEM industry for a while? What do you think went wrong with them, uh, apart from the political things and CEOs being you know? Uh, <laughs> what, what, what went wrong with Nissan? That is a long story. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is that for another episode? Or, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think the the, the, the issue is is that batteries are expensive you're effectively onboarding the cost of all your fuel so you've you know rather than having a you know a couple of hundred dollar plastic you know fuel tank with all these other bits but you've got five six ten thousand dollars worth of equipment in there and you know people will pay a people you know will pay a, a premium for that but i suspect from nissan's perspective with their volume and their costs they were probably not making much money on that on that on that vehicle at that stage in the in the, the, the battery technology where it is and, and everything else and the volumes they're selling so if you've got a vehicle you're not making much money on and from their perspective maybe they didn't need it for compliance at that stage the incentives are so okay we're then we're then going to go and spend another half billion dollars of the the company's money on upgrading this vehicle that already doesn't make money it could be diff- it could be a difficult sell and they'd go well uh, well why don't we spend that money on um you know the, the a new cash car that we know will make make us this amount of money that then gives us the situation the, the as i was talking about before the that ongoing investment you can't spend money on on the next generation of technology if you don't have the money in the bank if you don't if you're not making money somewhere you can't spend it so that it probably came down internally something along those lines that when someone was sat there with a do you want to spend the money on this or do you want to spend the money on this 
they've looked at them and gone I would love to do the leaf but it doesn't make us any money so why would you spend any more money on it versus where we could spend it on the you know on GTR or whatever the, the whatever or, or whatever you know whatever they were do, were doing at the time yeah I don't, I don't and think it's money but uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, but whatever whatever it came or, or this other product and you have to you know there's a finite and i'm I, part of what i do is 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 working out what we have to what we spend the money on and all oems have a finite amount of money vw have a bigger amount of money than a lot of most people um, because they because just because they they generate the income yeah. and it's usually done off a you know they have sort of engineering budget is is usually sort of a chunk of whatever the your there's this whole load of metrics and how it how it how it how how it's worked out but if you you take a lot more money you can spend a lot more on engineering and development and everything like that so that's that's kind of what it comes down to so it, it probably was something as simple as it, do we have to do this and the answer is probably no are we going to make money from this upgrade the answer is probably no and then when you're, you know, a CEO who of the of the company who's ultimately responsible for d- delivering money and making sure you can spend money on next generation things, if you're in that situation, it's difficult to say, yeah, let's go and spend this money on something that's let's go invest some money there. So it, it probably came down to something as simple as simple as that. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Because I, I, I feel like. Uh, um, Especially because, well, again, Tesla. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone's talking about Tesla, but I think they that we're viewing Tesla from the sort of American perspective. But Tesla is kind of different in a different realm in Europe, at least, because obviously uh, the the yeah, the you know the distances people drive are different. The the use of the vehicle, the patterns are different in 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 Europe in general, as a continent, to to America, and it's probably different to. The way people drive in in Asia, which I, I have absolutely no idea about, um, but the uh, uh, Nissan when they went for the leave, they did what probably Tesla would love to do at the time is they've built um, battery production uh, uh, and testing facilities at every one of their factories, as well as the the body, uh, 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 and they are well, they they had a platform already built, so I, I'm just you know. Obviously, the battery technology wasn't there. So, do you think they just they were just um, too early with that product? Uh, it wasn't ready, um, and th- that's why they decided not to scale it. Because obviously, the, uh, nobody would would have wanted to buy a a cash um, guy that can only do sixty miles of range. Um, I think there's a couple of examples of of you, know, you look at BMW and what they did there with the i8 and the the i3. Now the i3, I, I love the i3. It's a brilliant little car. It is. Um, but it's funky. It's different, and they've really gone and put it. But they haven't been able to scale that, and the i8 as well. Sort of that carbon. F- so they spent an awful lot of money on that platform. I heard somewhere. I read somewhere. It's like you know, nearly two, three billion dollars or euros on that is, on that is platform. It, isn't it a completely different factory from the rest of the BMW? What they're building? I, th- I think. I think it is. Yeah. So they spent an awful lot of money on that, and it's they haven't been able to scale it up into other things it hasn't been the 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 bedrock platform that they've been able to do things which is why you know vw's um play on the mqb it is the mqb i'm saying that wrong but the mqb their 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 electric platform is that it is scalable and they're all this is the one they're betting the 
betting the future on. And, you know, VW have an engineering budget of something like 13, 14 million, uh, sorry, 13, 14 billion dollars a year to spend on R&D. I think Tesla's around about a billion. So that's the, the, the even even though Tesla is worth yeah, a whole load more than VW, a whole load more than VW, almost all the other OEMs together, VW is still spending more on R&D than, than Tesla. And that's that sort of the weird, that's that, that's a slight change where Tesla are wanting to scale up and, and, and go into that, but they still need the liquid cash to do it. And to do that, they need to be making good money, good revenue and good, good streams off of everything else they do so they can do that and then spend that and, and spend, spend the money going forward. Um, so it's, it's almost, it's almost when you have, when you look at, Look at the, a lot of these startups and understand is, is looking into their sort of the, the business strategy is really the sort of fascinating thing they and how they do that differently. Um, which you can spend as a, spend another ten episodes on <laughs> on, on on it. And I I, I you know I'm, I'm no expert in going into the details of how, how these companies are structured, how they manage that. But just from from the out, outlay, it's interesting to see how they how they do it differently. So, but but other contentions point i think but the uh I'll, I'll ask i'll ask anyway um it's not a dig on anybody but the uh because you because you, you said you said that the um you know um the way elon musk and tesla and uh, companies like that they're working out how they're gonna do things is coming a bit more from a software development perspective and i'm, sh- I'm sure there's been listeners screaming at the at the phones or whatever listening to this thinking but what about other OEMs? They're obviously bad about software. Why they can't um, spend, you know, those billions on software? So, why, why do you think? Why do you think they uh, are? <laughs> okay. I they are. They are. They are spending the money on software. Oh, okay. Um, you know, to to think that out of VW's twelve billion or, or whatever, that they're not spending a big chunk of that on software. Um, is is not what I, I think at the moment. Tesla, one of the really good things they've they've done, and one of the things that's taught, you know, has been a, is probably a risk for them at the beginning, but actually looks to have paid off. Which was sort of the connected vehicle, and they're not fully connected. They can update a lot of the modules on the vehicle over the air. It's not completely completely updated, but they they have shown that actually that that adds that adds value and you can do that and now you know but what they could have ended up doing is putting all this massive amount of cost onto the vehicle um and you know the the the, the modems and the communication all that stuff costs money and it's and actually if they found no way of monetizing that or getting excitement about that and people were actually go, well why you why you keep changing my vehicle every time every you know, six months. Why are you? Why are you changing that? I did. Why, 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 if it, people didn't see the value in that, but part of it, um, the, the, the strategy was, well, we're going to put that money in the vehicle. We're going to be giving everybody that capability. We'll work out how we're going to make some money from it, or we'll work out how we're going to market it later. And I think that's the from uh, you know the benefit of of having someone someone in charge who's got the vision for it, who doesn't have to. He's not really accountable to anybody. He can go. Just go and do that, and I think um, a lot of the way other OEMs have, have approached it, it's difficult to make those sort of decisions. It might be, you know, to just to just do that. So it's really interesting to see 
how how they're doing that and now you know mqb platform says yeah over the air updates and every every ev that's coming coming out because it's it works better on evs generally the every over the air updates every ev that comes out has now got over the air updates so it's it's interesting to see how that is it, that that's the software element of it and having that sort of going alongside but um it's the will. It, I think it, the, the, the interesting bit was the willingness to go and do it, and take the risk that you know you're going to be updating people's vehicles with a, a non-zero chance you're going to be bricking their vehicles, or you're going to be causing problems that they're, they're not going to like. And I mean, you have to you have to be confident that your customers are going to be forgiving enough of you if you try that. Yeah, that's a crucial. So, that's a crucial. Like Tesla forums are full of people who are unhappy about changes in the software. Uh, and I speak uh, every time I'm, I'm at an uh, EV meetup, there's always somebody in a Model 3 turning up and, and saying, oh yeah, this this worked in the previous version, but whatever, like, you know, they all know their version soft, uh, software versions and their numbers uh, off top of their head. Um, uh, this has broken that, and I'm just, just standing there kind of liking, you know, um, I feel sometimes like a, like I'm living living in a just going back to the previous analogy, like I'm living in a pre iPhone era where if I bought a you know, I used to have I can't remember what it was called. I used to have one of those smart PC or pocket PCs, I think it was called. I can't remember from Acer, no. Some some company. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. Um and I didn't get any software updates on it. Like it just you know, whatever software it came up with, whatever Windows, because it was usually Windows or Linux, uh, that was running that it was running that forever um whereas uh you know post sort of iphone the um people kind of expect almost um that there's going to be uh, the, the the your phone's going to improve itself and you can have updates to software all the time and bugs going to be fixed you know 10 minutes after you've reported them because it's uh, it's such a quick turnaround um, but yeah, well, you can do that with software. With, with software, you can turn it around a lot, lot, lot quicker because the and you probably know a lot more. more but I'm not a software engineer, but the design, test phase, and the, the development phase can be proved out and released a lot quicker because then you haven't got the tooling phase and the manufacturing phase. You've got you, you, once you've proved out that code and you've tested it and you've proved it works and it's you're you're happy with it and it goes for all your sign-offs and whatever you else you need to do with it you then don't have to hold and start building factories for it which yeah, is yeah. the 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 difference between the speed of software and the speed of hardware is that tesla have come out an approach where we'll put the hardware in and we'll we'll work out what we're going to do with the software we'll make we'll do something good with the software and even you know, and even something is doing a, a, an updated fart noise on the seat sensor. It's like that's a kind of enough to keep. It. We'll do something with it. We don't know what it will, but that will generate media. It will just something that generates hype and all all the other stuff. So he's he's very good at turning that, you know, using that software to do to to, to generate it, which is which is, which is which is brilliant to, to see. And other 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 OEMs and other startups are doing the same thing. Um, do, but do, yeah. you, do you think that's going to be kind of expected behavior from, you know, the the, the next sort of uh, couple of years that, that it's going to be more and more vehicles coming from other OEMs where people will almost expect, because I, I think, I expect the sort of over the over the uh, software updates, because um, I, I, I have a, this is like um, a cynic in me would like to say that um, 
the the soft the benefits of this of the air updates on Teslas are almost a side effect of the of the of an, a very clever idea to um, to design things differently uh, in in those vehicles. So there's a you know traditionally a lot of trinkets in, in cars are kind of black boxes that just have their firmware and they just do things. And you you can't really touch it without actually taking it out and opening it up. But the uh, in case of Teslas, I think they they've designed the whole car to be um, much more software driven rather than black box hardware driven from different manu- uh, different uh, suppliers, and that allowed them to churn things quicker. So if, even if the software wasn't fully ready, and that was certainly the case in in case of Model Three, uh, initially when it was released for the first year, there was loads of things that were missing from that car. Um, they could, they they were able to you know release things and then just fix them in the post almost, as the other joke goes. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, I think that's I think that's a, that's that's been part of their, their strategy is get is get the hardware out early, and then up, update as it as, as it goes along. Um, but what that that requires you to do is because a, a, a module that is designed to do one thing as you're talking about that mo- module so that's your, your body control your crash module whatever it is that module if it's designed to do one thing it will be designed efficiently it'll design as as simple as you can do it to do that job and do it well and do it reliably and do it cheaply and you can do them at scale so you've got this the black black block black box that does that job is very good at doing that, that job as soon as you want to have that enabled to and I'm, and I'm this is I'm going off of what I've I've read this is from other uh, you know other, other sources. But as soon as you want that to do something else, you then need to have double the memory because you can't wipe it and then put the new new yeah. update on. And you have to have double the processing. And you have to have the flexibility built in. All adds cost. And if you do that across all the modules across the vehicle, you're building into the 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 the, the, the the hardware, a whole load of cost, a whole load of complexity, a whole load of things that can go wrong, a whole load of other the the other stuff that you try and avoid naturally when you're trying to engineer something. You 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 purposely put that in because you think you can get a you know a, a benefit from it later on. So that's that 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 jump and that faith that he all he has that one it won't come back and bite him. Probably has on a few a few times, sure has, but also yeah. but but also that he can you, know, the, the, you can you can do that, and I think a lot of a lot of people are sort of coming around to that. But when you said, will people expect it? I think it depends on the on the on the people. There's a lot of people who like their car, like it set just as they like it. They like to have the the radio set just as they like it. They like to have the seat just like they they like it to be as they as they like it and people who drive lots of different cars are a little i think probably a little less you know i don't i don't really care anymore because i i have i get to drive a lot of different cars so i'm used to getting and changing everything around but uh, does the customer that really likes the car as they like it and, and is used to it do they want their software updating every every six months I, i'm not sure they they do but if they if if they 
if, 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 they, if they don't, how do you then cater for that customer as well as the customer who, who wants a new exciting feature every six months because, you know, they're an early adopter and they're really excited to go on the forums and talk about it and, and share their friends about it. And it's how do you get that, how do you balance those two customers? And at the moment, the early adopters of EVs are very much in the, we want new stuff, it's great, we know what we're talking about, they're up to, you know, they know more, more about the technology, they know what they're doing. But then when you start expanding that through to people who are just buying a car, oh, this one happens to be an EV, does that same model work? And I, I, I don't know. I have no, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be sort of very interesting to, to, to see how that, how that plays out. But I think generally people are, once, once they get in an EV, as long as it does what they want to do, they see the benefits. They, they, they do like it, but it's getting that first, that first step. Yeah, I, I know very few people who went back from an EV to an ICE, and generally, it would be because they were disappointed by the range um, or the, or the yeah. performance of the car in terms of the, uh, the the efficiency, I should say. And um, sadly, those would mostly be uh, Nissan Leaf owners because I think it, uh, it it pains me to say that, but I think Nissan Leaf as a platform, at least for somebody who'd driven one for for, for uh, over four years it's been really disappointing. Like I was expecting a bit more in terms of efficiency out of it. Um, especially to compare something like, like a, a Eniro, which is just, I mean, I don't know what they're doing, what sort of um, magic they're churning in there, but the, um, you can drive this car fast and hard and it will still do, you know, 200 miles um, of range, which is just amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. What the secret well, there's, there's, but this is the other thing it isn't just bigger batteries it's it's understanding how you use that energy and that goes from everything from your your powertrain losses to your heating and cooling to the big one is your hvac and your sorry hvac was your, your air, air conditioning and your how you control the temperature in your um in your cabin i think the model y now has got a heat pump which is much more efficient than the mm-hmm. and that and that's that seems to be something that's that you know, is, is is used in houses and used in tumble drives as a massive efficiency benefit and that sort of technology you're going to see as a, as a range of as, uh, no, a range extending technology because with batteries a bigger battery you end up as it, as you as you have bigger and bigger battery you're having to have more and more battery required to carry the weight of the battery round yeah. so you're sort of diminishing return you, you're starting getting to a point where it's you can't just keep putting battery at it you've got to then make make it more efficient or have your battery being have a better energy density and all all, all these other things, which is a sort of incremental step of of, of, inf- of you know, incremental process as you, as you go through. But um, yeah, there'll be a lot more. Just as you know, your 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 car from your gasoline car from twenty years ago. Now I've got a um, when I had a you know, Fiesta that. 30 years ago when I was or 20 20 years ago maybe back then when I was a teenager and I would get 28 miles per gallon out of it and it had 90 horsepower fine I've had one which has had 200 horsepower and will drive around all day at 45 50 miles per gallon so you've got twice the power um, but you know a massive step in fuel efficiency and a heavier vehicle and you'll see that sort of efficiency build up in the evs as well not just from range but 
but from how the vehicle is getting more efficient at managing that energy. And you know, you've, see, you've probably seen that in phones as well. Phones are now better at managing apps in the background, at managing how the energy is, is used, so you get the most from the battery without having to do it. Yeah. And I think t- Tesla seems to be very good at that, but they've got a lot of data. They've got vehicles out there that have been doing it, so they've they've got they've got data on that. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I think they've they've designed the powertrains as well because. Um, Nissan Leaf had a heat pump, but for some reason, when you drove that car slightly over sixty miles an hour, the the uh, the efficiency of the the powertrain was just dropping. And whether that was the heating, it was probably the heat, the overheating. Um, it just it just made a difference. Uh, whereas I can drive my car, you know, legal speeds in the UK, adult speeds, drive it hard, and uh, it's fine. Um, same with Model Three. It's it was very very. Or it is it is a very efficient car. Look at this driver. He is determined to pass the vehicle in front, no matter what is approaching. It's pure selfishness, and it's dangerous. Never drive like this, chap. What do you think is going to have to happen in terms of the battery technologies? Like, um, you know, obviously, not going to ask you about any specific programs, but the, uh, but when you're working on like all the OEMs, presumably not just Ford, but all all the OEMs now work on the you know vehicles that are going to be out there in five, ten years. Um, do you just work um, on predicted energy efficiency and improvements in terms of the battery density, or uh, are there already some existing sort of R and D level programs out there? Do you think that allow people to to this is all new technology, so you can't predict it as easily as you can, you know, with the fuel efficiency, for instance, in the ice cars. We have loads of data backing up, you know, what we can do uh, about those, but when it comes to batteries. Um, and large-scale batteries in EVs, um, we have. I think we have less data than than. Uh, fuel. I, I think so. But if you if you look at the technology out there and look at what some of the uh, big battery suppliers are, are saying and saying in public as well, so the LG, LG Chem and Samsung and everything, they have probably got a view of where they think their batteries are going to be over the next. 10 years five to ten years they know they the the technology you know the chemistry the incremental steps they've probably got a pretty decent view of where they're going to be in that sort of time frame the 50 percent the massive jump um is i don't think anyone's banking on uh, i don't think anyone's come out you, know, you often see these uh uh stories that you know, researchers worked out how to charge a hundred kilowatt battery in five minutes. Well, yeah. of course, they haven't done that. <laughs> I, um, mean, I see those stories every two weeks, and I have to <laughs> remind people, you know, what sort of cables they would have to have. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, do, it doesn't pass a, 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 the basic physics, you know, physics and thermodynamics test. So, um, but the, you know, it's 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 people have been making batteries for a long time the chemistry is 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 well known and i think for probably the 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 current generation of cell and technology and and everything else people have got yeah there's there's incremental steps to go um to to go forward um but you know in 10 years 15 years is there going to be a major uh, a major step down in cost or increase in efficiency um i don't know hopefully <laughs> maybe not maybe it was something completely different um but it's it is it is all of it always it is always evolving and um 
you know, you've got some you know, big industry um, industries working on it. You know, people at Samsung, people at LG, and um, you know, the, the amount of money that's being ploughed into China. Got a lot of researchers working on a lot of different aspects of it, and you know, they'll as as we were when I was a working on turbocharged gasoline engines we were able to fairly confidently predict we'll be able to make efficiencies every you know every three four years or whatever it was though in their mind we said yeah we can we, we think we can get three percent five percent here and there and, and, and do it that way so i, I don't think there's any at the, at the moment I've, I've not seen anyone come public with a magic bullet saying <laughs> saying yeah here's the here's the here's the, here's the uh with a credible story anyway um but uh i, I hope they do that'd be brilliant <laughs> i mean uh, don't you like from the uh from the 24 kilowatt hour leaf in 2011 to what we have had two years ago you know 64 kilowatt hour leaf within almost the same space um that's a that's a massive jump in terms of the density of the batteries. So, if we can double that again in the next uh, you know eight years, I think that would be brilliant. But that, that's come as a as like a, like a, a probably a dozen small steps. Yeah. That hasn't come as someone sort. But that's the way. You know, suddenly, we've reinvented the battery. That's come of your your you know your nuts and bolts grinding engineering, where you are going through and getting a percent here, two percent here, like fraction here, and doing better and better and better and getting more and more out of it and understanding how to use that energy better and you know the t- the the manufacturing process gets better, which means you get a small space. You have to call it. So it's it's that incremental engineering efficiency and iteration that will get you those sort of that when you look back at it over 10 year periods oh actually we've got we've, we've got we've got quite far haven't we we've done we've done really well but it was all each just a load of incremental steps um and it was still was yeah, it's relatively new so there's still a long way to still a long way to go i'm sure yeah. But yeah, it would be great if we can get the uh, the, the the massive uh, you know magic bullet to the where you know one of the water powered battery or whatever we've <laughs> it's been touted out. Uh, um, yeah, I get because I I do a, a podcast. I I get emails like at least once a week, or if not, of more often from people suggesting things or businesses doing this and that, and I just roll my eyes so hard because um, you know. Some people say that software engineering is is a is a lesser of an engineer engineering, but the, your mindset is still you know like how is that physically achievable? Uh, you know, you still doubt you know, that yeah. that uh, cynical. Like when you're an engineer, you're naturally cynical, and you have to kind of look, look at things and be like, hmm, really? Uh, you have to. You have to. I always say when you're going through an engineering problem, if you're in a room full of engineers and you have a problem, like everybody, the first hour or whatever whatever the time frame how depends how big the problem is is of people just telling you how you can't do it is everybody coming up with the in their minds coming up with the here's the reason why here's it's difficult there's a and then you start to get the inkling of oh well maybe what if we did that and then don't you you go to whatever amount of those small inklings of maybe is what maybe if we did that and then one of them would get bigger and you'd go oh, okay and then suddenly the, the momentum takes off when everybody is like right we can do it and the excitement goes and you go from that really sort of cynical down which is why if you speak to an engineer like their first response is usually well that won't work because they <laughs> because because they, because they, it's just because of the, the the training and the knowledge and the background and actually 
most of that doesn't but it's interesting as that that i always enjoy that process where you're you've got a problem that no one feels they can solve and it starts off with everybody looking at oh look at all the problems aren't they we never do it and then it gradually grows into a sort of momentum of oh we've, we've got we've got a solution to this we can do this we can do it and, and coming up with a solution it's um it's, it's it's quite a fun process actually doing that and which i'm sure it's the same in software as well as you're as you're working well when i read things um I I always look at the uh, the sort of the the physics and the um you know like inverse square law and um like the fundamentals that you can't really like you can't break the laws of physics um as a, you know I'm sure many people have said and when I when I read articles like you said about batteries that um charge in 5 seconds and all sorts of other rubbish like you know we all need wireless um chargers for our cars and uh, you know uh, all these sort of great things and and then you read about I, I get information from journalists who write about these things, who are uh, automotive journalists, who are just per- perpetuating that rubbish. And you're like, oh, do I have to say that again? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I generally try not to get into the discussions on, on on cars on social media or because... It just—it's slightly—it's not just depressing, but uh, you know, it's it, there's not very many things I know. I I'm, would consider myself on the Dunning Kruger curve. I'm starting to come up that the, the the valley of despair as you, you. I'm starting to come up the other side where I actually do through through experience and and doing it day in day out for years and years and years. I do kind of know what to the a little bit. I'm, to the point now i'm talking about i still very aware that there's a massive amount of stuff i just don't know which is why i'm still trying to do it and but when you realize that the vast majority of stuff that's discussed online is so is either quite shallow or just outright wrong um that is it just makes me think that i must be wrong about every other subject i'm not a relative expert on it's just like i don't it's like it feels like slightly depressing <laughs> the point of view that every 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 subject you think you might know something about that you're not an expert on you probably don't <laughs> yeah there's one thing that i'm disappointed about in my life and existence is the the fact that i can't spend 10 years on everything i want to love uh, love i would love to have uh, that time to spend on um uh, that that's one of the reasons i I had some people on the um, on the podcast in the past who were talking about EV conversions, for instance, um, because you know those are the people who actually know uh, what actually goes into um, into not manufacturing an EV, but actually you know putting together as something that drives on electricity. Um, and even with the prefabricated kit, it still takes a, a, a bit of a bit of uh, knowledge and and understanding, uh, you know, how to do it. It's not easy. Um, But I, I, what I like about Tesla is the, uh, they, they like I say, they, they've never actually came up and said, oh, this is a prototype. Well, actually, they've done recently, but they mostly, when they put something out there for people to see, it's a, it's a drivable vehicle. It's not just a, it's not just a concept that, you know. Cybertruck, I, I'm struggling with, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's a, it, it doesn't fit with what Tesla have done before. Yeah. You look at the you look at the the all the vehicles they've done before. They're fairly smart looking, have a kind of similar look, but they're not sort of earth, earth shattering. The X is a bit awkward looking thing. Um, 
but you know it's it's got its own look where the cyber trucks are slightly completely different so it doesn't kind of fit in with their sort of slightly brand dna and that's before you sort of get into the the legalities of of having a there's, there's a reason that vehicles have bodies that crumple and crush is because that's the only way you can get through crash tests and there's a reason you don't have you know neck height sharp no incompressible metal points at the front is because that's where pedestrian that's where pedestrians hit so i'd be really interested to see how that gets what that looks like when that gets in production whether they have to do it as some sort of niche or whether you know he just goes you know what my customers aren't the, the the crash safety end cap five star our customers don't really care about that so we're not going to bother about it to and we'll make it we'll make it legal to, yeah. to the extent and, and and that's the that's the baseline i i, I think i think tesla teslas are going with that uh, truck i think they're going you know there's a there's a saying in the software development industry that the um the the best code is the code that you don't have to write uh, and even better code is the code that doesn't have to exist. So I think they just went with that mentality, like, how do we, you know, we have all these panels and all that jazz stomping and, and welding. And how can we just get rid of all that and just make it super simple? And then somebody said, well, we would have to make a vehicle that looks like this. And then Elon was like, mm, that looks great. Let's just do that. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. Whereas in, in a traditional automaker uh, probably meeting somebody would like be like mm, but nobody's going to buy this and you know the people have all these questions whereas they just went well it will shock the people and somebody will buy it let's go with it i i just wonder what all the people who've put the down the deposits around the world um because that vehicle might be produced in the u.s and might actually come out in in the u.s who knows um they're building I, a factory yeah because i i don't know how how safe the sort of american trucks are on the European roads, I I fully doubt they're um, they're safe as far as pedestrians go. Well, the um, north north it uh, I won't get it. it gets very it gets very complicated I'm sure it because does. <laughs> the way trucks are are in what segments trucks are and the the big trucks and passenger vehicles are in different it it gets very complicated especially with regulations but there's lots of loopholes in North America but generally the sort of crash regulations in in North America. Are, if you pass North America, you usually pass Europe. Um, but the where they fit in and where the cyber truck would fit in into the weight classes is also another another question because then that what that sort of gives you an indication if if you turn it into a heavy duty vehicle, you might not have to pass all of the regulations. It's almost like you know you see those big uh, UPS. Um, big step-in van things built off massive heavy heavy duty and they don't really have to they they're, they're a certain class that don't have much regulation and if they make the cyber truck heavy enough it'll fit into that class you'll need special driver's licenses and everything to drive it but you can kind of so it's, it's just trying to work out how they're gonna how they're gonna to pitch it um but it's fascinating i i like i genuinely like it there's fascinates what i really sort of wish some luck because we need we need the whole the whole industry needs people to be doing innovative things and pushing it and seeing what works and what and what doesn't especially in the ev space i think it goes back to the what you said that the uh, the margins are thin now and uh and one of the reasons they're thin is because you know traditional oems 
manufacture things for everybody. So by nature, you have to kind of split yourself into so many different areas. You're not going to be focused on one or two, so you're going to make less money. Um, whereas uh, somebody like Tesla have still the, the narrower market, so they can um, they they can have fun with things. Basically, they can take the risks. Um, I think. But they're still not making the money. They're still, they've still got thin margins. They're still making a lot of money from selling CO2 credits to other OEMs. Yeah. So they've the the the, the cash flow is another, another story. But it's you know, I I I'm I, I'm still I, I'm still fifty fifty on whether it's something they going to bring to market as it is or whether it was just a joke i'm not a gender gender i I struggle with looking at it and believing you know all the other believing that it's a real thing and like amazing if it is like we need that would be amazing to see a cyber truck going down the road crazy be brilliant Mm. i don't know uh, (laughs) i'm not a big fan of of large vehicles like that that people buy or it seems people seem to be choosing them uh for i don't know why uh these days but the um Especially, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't get me started on on mothers driving children in oversized SUVs. <laughs> I just don't understand uh, the appeal. Um, yeah, and in, in in towns, it, it yeah. There's 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 this, there's this pressure between saying what car do you need as a customer, what car do you need versus what car do you want. Because you can sell a car that somebody wants for more money than for one that someone needs. Yeah. And when you're in the EV space, where you've got a vehicle that intrinsically costs a lot more, you need to be selling a car that someone wants. <clears throat> so you can see why, you know, when Audi have gone into their EV space first, they've gone into it with a really luxury, tricked out um e-tron and the e-tron sports back which is a car that certain people will look at and go yeah that's that's nice you sit in that and that was a there's a really nicely put together thing that a certain customer will really want whereas if you said well actually that customer only needs a you know, an a2 size vehicle and you, you make an a2 size vehicle because that's what they need they won't pay the money for it and you won't get that so this is the the thing because the cars are such a sort of, for a lot of customers sort of an emotional thing there's a lot of people have people have opinions on cars people have opinions on and have a like an emotional attachment to their cars and how they interact with them what they feel about them so you've got a uh, a commodity a product there that people really really feel for so if you can tap into that you can you know why why would why would you buy an iphone over a, or would you buy the top end samsung um phone over a you know your a chinese equivalent you don't really need the top but you look at it and you go, yeah, I, I want that or whatever else the so you need to you need to be doing things that people really really want and that's where it's going to start as the, as the cost, costs are high as the prices are high and you need to get that extra you know you need to get the extra revenue for it oems will be focusing on those customers who they are willing to pay more because they really want it and that's the sort of the emotional bit they've got to tap into to be able to to, to sell to sell it and then and then you can use that technology we find that tells you make it cheaper and that can get into the slightly cheaper cars where people who oh, i just need i just need a car to 
do this job or that job we'll, we can the yeah. but i don't want to pay too much for it it'll fit into that so that's mm. where that, that, that's 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 where it will that's where it'll go and then that's sort of the, into the marketing side of it that, that, that's an interesting discussion because I, I i think elon musk she said during one of the the quarter calls end of quarter calls that the um they they either won't sell um cyber truck outside of uh North America, or they will develop like a slightly smaller version for the rest of the world because because it won't. He he was basically saying, well, it won't be. It was designed for North America because it it wouldn't um, pass any legal requirements anywhere else. So yeah, that's interesting. But uh, on on the other on the other subject, I actually I wonder if if there's ever going to be some sort of a shock point in the in the culture uh, uh, around the world where people will actually start going back to smaller cars instead of buying you know because I, I think I think loads of people are buying bigger cars because they think oh you know I could use the space and then they well naturally when you have the space you start filling it up uh, with crap and then once you have that crap in your car when you buy a new one you need to fit that crap somewhere else again because you know I'm, I'm sure well my parents didn't drive too much because because where I was born but the um I'm sure if I ask my wife, I, I'm, in fact I have, they they had very small cars when they were children, um, uh, her parents, um, and everything was fitting fine in those cars. They could go on, because my mother-in-law would pack everything for a week of holidays, so they didn't, didn't have to even go to shops. They would rent yeah. a, a cottage somewhere and just bring everything with them. And that was like in, Mo- in Morrison, whatever, or, you know, one of those sort of old-timey cars in 70s or, or 80s. Actually, 80s, sorry. Uh, they're not that old. Um, and and I'm sure those cars were much, much smaller than your modern SUV that people buy these days, you know, whatever the uh, Volvos or um, or Land Rovers uh, people drive. But, the, the, but this is the, the, also the beauty of an EV, is that your ID3... Because it's on a dedicated bed platform, and you haven't got the engine at the front, and all these other things. Your your ID three on the outside is the same size as a, as a Golf. So on the inside, it's it is more bigger. akin to a Passat. Yes. So yeah. that's that's one of the things you can you can you don't have to you could don't have to have the big vehicle um, to do it. And I, I, I suppose I, I I look at it. I'm it's from the engine. I'm more akin to looking at what the attributes are. You know, from a look at it as a, as a as efficiency, as all of the other things that go rather rather than necessarily the, the, just the size, whatever the fault. I know people go, oh, why does everybody have an SUV? So, well, SUV is just a form factor. It's just how it kind of looks. It's not something intrinsic. You've got an SUV that could be a Cadillac Espenade, which is built on a massive truck frame body that weighs two and a half tons or whatever it is, or you've got a Nissan Juke. This is a unibody, slightly racked up, big up, both SUVs. But so I, I, I kind of, you, I, I'm, I'm sort of more looking at the, or look at the, what are the attributes, what are the fuel economy, what's its efficiency, what can it do, what can it carry, all of those other things that I think are, are more important than getting sort of necessarily hung up on. Oh, it's a, it's an SUV, so it has to be bad. It's like, okay, well, what electric efficiency can it? What what can what can it do? You know, the the Model X is a is an SUV, and that's incredibly efficient. Um, so it's just, I, I, that's, I, but it's difficult to get out of that mindset because as you say, people are really have sort of emotional attachment to their vehicles, and you know, they people hate SUVs. So, well, why do you hate the SUV? Oh, it's too big, it's bench. But is it? 
look at the attribute but they, 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 that's the this sort of the emotional drive cars have with people which is which is great and but it comes with ups and downs so uh so yeah i mean i i i, I personally despise them even though you can uh, qualify me as a as uv driver now because i have a kia Niro. um but the uh, i don't like them because of the way people don't seem to be able to handle the size you know they um they they don't drive on in a countryside lane they don't they drive in the middle of the road essentially um or they can't park it efficiently or you know just like it's all these things and obviously what i hate is the uh, there's the fact that uh everyone's buying those cars and they i don't think physics is like something natural to people um they don't seem to realize that they're actually burning more fuel because they have a bigger car even though it says eco all over the the dashboard you know um yeah, um, but obviously that, that that problem doesn't exist then with SUV. Well, it shifts a little bit with uh, with um, EVs because uh, you're still burning more energy, but it's hopefully cleaner energy. So you know, um, <laughs> but the problem the problem yeah. with parking it will still exist. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose, I suppose I, the difference is in, the difference in footprint between a a, 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 a Golf and what's the, the Turan or whatever what's the, uh, the Turan, SUV yeah. version Turan it's it's basically the same footprint there's not Turan, much different no the Touareg's a really big one the, the, okay. the, the, the big one. It's, 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 it's the same it's, a, it's the same basic footprint it's not going to take any much any more space on the road it might be a little bit more um, inefficient but once you go to EV you're right but also in that form factor you might be able to put more battery in or you might be able to fit that heat pump that gets you the extra range or you might be able so it's it, it is a it is a is a is a different different thing. But when I work in obviously in commercial vehicle, they're all relatively big, but they all have to have to do a job. Um, and I you know I, I, I still really enjoy driving a Ranger. There's something just brilliant about having a car that can carry a ton of load in the back um, and don't do that regularly when you're having to to, to shift stuff to. You know, move material around and it drives exactly as it would if it was empty it's like it's because it's built to do that so it's, it's really interesting having vehicles that are so capable of doing stuff um that on the commercial side which and when you, especially when you make the most of those and uh th- those those limits um but anyway we won't talk about the uh the internal combustion engine vehicles in the podcast off, off completely off topic off topic <laughs> Well, folks, uh, that's it. Um, I've had a very lovely conversation with Chris. Uh, thank you very much for your time, sir. Um, I hope anyone listening to this has you know, learned something and discovered something new. I will certainly talk to Chris in the future because there's still been a, a lot of things that we have not talked about. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at TakeItEV. Patreon, take it easy, and uh, the links down below as well for the, uh, the merchandise. See us. Take it easy.